How do we start? Uh, I'm Vivian Vega. And I'm Betty LaRue. And <laughs> this, this is Revolution Rosies. We're not drunk. No, it's just been a hot second. We've been like super busy and going under the knife and scissored stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, I waited. I'm not, um, on my drug yet. So, um, you know, I'm waiting until after this. I just recently had surgery. Um, I got my tubes removed. So I am, I can. yeah, and I got an ablation, so I won't have to hemorrhage ever again. Fingers crossed. Uh, no more issues. No more issues. I hope. God, I hope. Right. Um, so that's, that's that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Hazel um, has an ear infection. She actually oh. has two. Oh my God. Winston like used to get this all the time. Oh, it's her first. It's her oh. first. So like we've gotten away with it for a pretty long time. Um, but yeah, so we had a really, 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 we've been having rough nights and I think it's because it was coming on, mm-hmm. um, with like the change in the weather and she's been uh-huh. getting really stuffy and like going to like daycare. Uh-huh. So she went to the doctors today and, uh, they're like, yeah, she's got a pretty bad ear infection, one of her ears. So we hadn't got a lot of sleep in the last like week. It's been really rough lately. So like now that she's on medication, Mike's like, he was in there for 15 minutes and she's asleep already. So anyways, fun times with health, but it's witchy season. It is spoopy season, which I've been really, really excited about recently. Uh, We um, put up all of our Halloween. Mike got really excited uh, he's been like super excited to put up Halloween. He wanted to do it before Cherie's birthday. And I was like, no, it's a tropical themed birthday. You can now put up <laughs> the Halloween upstairs when we're going to have like an Island downstairs. So, uh, like the Wednesday after the birthday party, he put up all of our Halloween and I went to bed because Hazel had kept me up the night before. And the next morning she woke up and it was like, Oh my gosh, pumpkin, pumpkin, skull, skull. <laughs> Uh, so she just loves Halloween. We took her to like that, um, uh, spirit Halloween and she like walked up to the scariest clown, like animatronic thing that they had and was just like watching them. And then she found the boxes of them and was like, Oh, and I was like, you're not, no, you're absolutely (laughs) not getting one of those. Didn't bother. Like she like had some like hesitation to do certain things, like go under things and stuff, but she like, right. uh, So she's really in. We also decorate it. Well, I decorate it, but um, Casey works at like a like a um, consignment store. So anytime he sees something come through that's mildly creepy, <laughs> like our lady back here, who's not a Halloween decoration, Ooh, she's she's just a she's fixture like of our decoration. Home. Yeah, I love her. Um, we just 
kind of collect. So now we have many, many skulls in our house that are probably going to be year round decorations. Um, so since it's Halloween, um, even though it's when we're recording this, it's not technically even October, but we're going to be releasing it in October. It's, I mean, it might as well be. Yeah. <laughs> it since feels it's like Halloween. It. Yeah. Um, I am doing uh, like a Halloween themed Rosie Perfect. today. Let's do it. And I'm very excited for this one. Yeah. So the uh, Rosie that I'm going to be doing today, you may know her. Um, her name was Sarah Lockpardy, but you might know her wet better by her married name, Sarah Winchester. Oh, of the, the Winchester, Winchester Mystery House. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So <laughs> like a little backstory, I've always been kind of obsessed with the Winchester house and like just that whole mystery and everything about it. You know, Columbus Mainly has one. I didn't know that they had one. I'll That's tell you insane. about that later. I'll tell you about that okay. later. <laughs> but I like from the time I was a child to, to now, I have a reoccurring dream that I'm in this house where like the doors lead to like more places. And I'm always finding these rooms. I didn't know that they were there and they're always like made and ready. Like, oh no, I'm going to have to like, it's like I've moved into this place and there's like all these things that have like a ton of storage or all of this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to like move this out of here. And I'll just like go into this room and be like, oh, check out this cool room and like go to open what I believe is like a closet door. And there's like another room inside and then you'll find a bathroom behind it. And so like, since I was a child, I have had this reoccurring dream that I'm in this house that like the, you're just, it's just a, a, a maze. And it's what was really weird about it is that I brought it up to my mother and my aunt one time, my aunt, mind you, on my father's side. And the, like when I was telling them about it, they said, oh, my God, I have the same dream. Oh, that's weird. My mother and my aunt on my father's side, not that's my mother's strange. sister. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I feel like it's probably a reoccurring theme for dreams. Like there's something about it that's more right, reoccurring, right. but it's always, and it's like funny because losing it's, your teeth kind of dream, yeah. but like for other, like, yeah. For yeah. something else. Yeah. Right. But like, I, 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 it's always one of my favorite dreams to have because I'm always really exploring this space. I'm like, oh my God, think of what I could do in all of this space and all of this room. It's like, <laughs> Where like you would think it would be like an anxiety type dream where you're like lost right. in this house. And I'm just like, no, hold on. There was this really cool bathroom back here. If I could just remember <laughs> how to get to it. So anyways, I've always been obsessed with it. Yeah. So um, everyone knows like the Sarah Winchester legend. So like the whole legend goes like after losing like all of the people in her family, um, she uh, like she's grieving. She visits the spiritualist um, or, or this like medium and the medium tells her that she needs to move west and she needs to build and she needs to keep building um, because she is being cursed and she is being haunted by the spirits of those that her husband's Winchester of the Winchester rifle, um, the Winchester rifle has killed. So all the blood that has been spilled due to her husband's business, she's being haunted by all these spirits. And the only way for her to save herself and keep these spirits away from her is for her to continue to build and build and build. Um, and the idea being like, you uh, you essentially have to confuse the spirits so they can't find you in the home. And that's why it's like all crazy. So that's that's the that's the that's the uh the legend of the house. And I wanted to give you 
the real story of Sarah Hardy. All right, let's hear it. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so she was one of seven born, um, the daughter of Leonard Pardy and his wife, Sarah W. Burns, um, in the summer of 1839, 1840, not 100% sure. They had seven children. It was back in the day when you didn't really keep track of when they were guessed. born because they might not live. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so they're like, uh-huh. you were like born in like, I don't know. I don't remember what we were doing at the time. Let's say, like let's say 1837. Yeah. So um, her father found um, success as a carriage carpenter. Like, uh, and I was trying to figure out like, oh, what if I looked up party carriages? Can I find anything about it? Because they were like extremely wealthy. Um, And there was a company called Lawrence Bradley and party carriages uh, from the 1800s. I'm not 100% sure if that was them, but they were like high class carriages. Mm, mm, Um, But mm. anyways, so that afforded them the first party buses. Party buses. Oh my God. I love that. Yes. <laughs> um, so that afforded the family like a very comfortable lifestyle. And when I say very comfortable, they were like wicked rich. Um, the top of the top of the top of the New Haven, like New England families, you know, and that, those were back in the day, back in the 1800s. If you're like a social elitist in like the 1800s in New England, you've got money. Right. Um, so Sarah spent much of her childhood in the wood shop by the family's home, watching the workers who were like constructing these carriages. Cause you think of it, it's not like an assembly line. They're constructing these horse-drawn carriages by hand and carving and doing all of that stuff by hand. So it introduced her to an early love of like architecture and design at a very young age. So she would just go and spend a lot of her childhood and she just kind of fell in love with watching them build these beautiful carriages. Um, So he ran a very progressive, her father ran a very progressive household. He held court with prominent abolitionists and free thinkers of the day, a trait that Sarah would also bring into her adulthood. Um, she was an intelligent, well-rounded young woman. She knew five languages, English, oh. Italian, Latin, Spanish, and French. Damn. Uh, Damn she was Sarah. well-versed in, yeah, she was well-versed in music composition. She played the violin, the organ, and the piano. Uh, she excelled in math and in science. Uh, she was very petite and very pretty. She stood only four foot, 10 inches Holy tall. Moly. <laughs> she was 95 pounds. Um, and then she had the reputation of one of the area's greatest beauties, and they nicknamed her the Belle of New Haven. Oh, my. Yeah, she was a real catch. She had money. She was brilliant. She was beautiful. She was the side, like, she could fit in your hand. Right. Um, which I think that my uh, sister-in-law, Ashley, is, I think she might be a little bit taller than that, but I imagine she's probably about the size of my my sister-in-law, Ashley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, picture Ashley as being Sarah Winchester. Okay. All right. Oh my God. Now I want to dress her up as Sarah Winchester. Anyways. Um, <laughs> we just pretend so, she's a doll. <laughs> just pretend like need to do. Uh, so Sarah, Sarah went on to further education at the young ladies, uh, collegiate Institute at Yale college. Cause she couldn't go to Yale, but she could go to like the young ladies part of Yale. Cause sure. it was 1800. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and was in an excellent position to marry an equally privileged young man. Um, she would find such a pairing in William Wirt Winchester, a match that was actually made through the parody's family acquaintance with several other affluent families through their church. So it was like an arranged marriage. 
It's like your family has money and uh, status. Our family has money and status. You have a handsome young man. Uh, we have this beautiful daughter. You, we're going to we're going to marry them. Um, so on September 30th of 1862, the couple was married. That's close to when we're doing this right now. It really is very close to when we're doing We're almost <laughs> doing it on their anniversary. Um, so by all accounts, so William was the son of uh, the wealthy son of Oliver Winchester, who co-owned the Winchester Davies shirt manufactory. Um, and he was being groomed to take over the company. However, Oliver had also developed an interest in the firearms business, um, which it's so weird. The more I was reading about this, and you can like go back, all of these families have such names that you can like find all sorts of things about them. Um, but the the it's the saddest, the truest statement to say the um, revolution of the firearm and the firearm industry is a history of America and like how firearms were developed is actually part of American history. And I think that's why it's so hard for us to like cut our ties with it. Yeah. Like stop stop it. Yeah. Because (laughs) yeah, the more I, the more I read about it, I was like, we had the Smith and Weston's, we Mm -hmm. had the Winchester, you know, like the Winchester rifles. The Remington's Um, probably are from here. The Remington's. Yeah. So, um, and actually the uh, Smith and Weston were the two that actually started the company that became the company that became Vulcan Arms Company, which is who Oliver had, um, taking control of. He had like 50% of the Olivers are the Volcanic Arms Company. Um, it's kind of then, a badass name, actually. Yeah, the the Volcanic. Yeah. And then so he established the Winchester Repeating Arms Company in 1866. So he like he went from making shirts to making guns. Um, and they even like they even got a uh inventor um and and we'll 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 talk about that in a little bit, but they got an inventor to invent like a new type of gun. And that's what made them so like popular. So William soon sold his interest in the shirt company and became secretary of the Winchester repeating arms uh, manufacturer. Uh, And I said, insert knowledge of gun manufacturers here, which is what I kind of did was talking about them. (laughs) Um, But actually, so this was like an arranged marriage between these two, like, you know, socialites, but by all accounts, they had, they they were truly in love and they had like a very good marriage. Um, Like she was a very reserved young lady and she typically like wore things close to her heart, Um, but it was different with William. She felt like she could open up and they had by all accounts, like a very good relationship. They very much loved each other. So um, even though it was arranged, so that's good. Yeah. Um, So I, Sadly, Sarah and William only had one daughter, and this is going to be a bit of a trigger warning, especially before, because both of us have daughters. Um, They only had one daughter in June of 1866, Annie. Uh, So Annie was born with a rare disease known as marasma, leaving her unable to process calories, and she died of malnutrition no matter what she ate six weeks later, which is sad. Absolutely. Like, oh, I can't imagine what Sarah had to go through, like watching this baby, no matter what you did, they couldn't absorb the food you were giving her, no matter yeah. what you did. Oh, it would be terrible. It'd yeah. Be terrible. So anyways, William turned to work, but Sarah became more of a recluse. Um, not like totally, but she just kind of, you know, oh, I, as you would in a situation like that, that, like, oh yeah. Yeah. You would just like, I, I like constantly said to myself, like, oh God, don't just anything happened to my family I just have to like 
pray that I don't fall into the worst hole possible. Oh yeah. Because, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so the family business became immensely successful. So 1866 is around the same time that he like, um, really gets into the, the Winchester rifle. Um, so the family business became in- immensely successful um, with its Winchester model 1873, the first repeating rifle known as the gun that won the West, which I said cringe. The gun Yeehaw. that won the West. Yeah. Um, and the company sold more than 700,000 rifles from that year through 1916. And you're just thinking like in the 1800s to like at 700,000 of anything in selling nowadays is that can, that can happen in a year, a couple of years, but thinking about like the 1800s to the 1900s, just kind of crazy. It could fire 15 rounds in one second. Oh my. Yeah. So this was the gun of choice used by slinger legends, such as Buffalo Bill. Theodore Roosevelt and Annie Oakley. She loved herself for Winchester. Um, so William's parents built the couple like a beautiful home overlooking the rifle factory. But with William and Oliver being so busy, busy with the factory, Sarah did much of the architecture with uh, Henry Austin. So she did a lot of the design and architecture, which just like solidified her love of architecture and her love of like building. Um, so, uh, like they did not get to spend much time in that home though, because in the span of one year, um, ending in 1881, Sarah lost her mother, her father-in-law, Oliver, who she was very close to. And finally her husband, William, who was only 43 at the time, she lost him to tuberculosis. So within a year. All three of these people died after, you know, like her daughter had died in, uh, was that 66? I don't say. Yeah. And then like in 81, she loses pretty much everyone else. Um, she's left with like a sister. Um, but yeah, so just all this happened in one. Uh, so at the death of her husband, because like, mind you, her father-in-law has just died. So everything her husband, her father-in-law, all of his like wealth and, and, part of the Winchester, Mm -hmm. um, family fortune and everything that went to To him, to her husband. Right. And then he dies right after that. So, um, so at the death of her husband and her father-in-law, Sarah found herself with the inheritance that included $20 million, (gasps) which by today, Oh my God, today, that's a ton of money. About 561.6 million so much money. Oh my uh, god. As well as 50% of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, which gave her an additional about a thousand dollars a day. Good lord. Like she it made her one of the wealthiest women in the world at that and time. And she has and I zero imagine, like, family at this point, except for a sister. I mean, like, yeah, she has a sister, but she doesn't have any family. She has no daughter. She's got she's got nothing. Holy so, shit. um that's yeah. So, so she's much. got a lot of money and a lot of grief. Uh, so she stayed in she New is. Haven for a number of years after losing her family, but she herself suffered from rheumatoid, rheumatoid, she suffered from arthritis. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. She suffered <laughs> from arthritis. Um, and in the legends, this but is where a bunch of steps. 
right. Well, well, <laughs> hold on, hold on. That actually, I mean, like, honestly, that has something to do with it. So um, in, in the legend, this is where the medium tells her to head west, but be warned of the spirits that are out to harm you for your blood money. Um, that That's what the legend says. But she's grieving. She's in poor health because of her arthritis. She's in pain. She's emotionally and physically in pain. So she goes and she sees her doctor who says, you need to move west. It will help with your ailments because the warm weather and, you know, like plus in the 1800s, you know, with like tuberculosis and everything else, everyone was going move west. The the fresh air will help you. This will help you. So her doctor tells her to move west and find her passion, find a passion, find something to do and do that thing. And like, like keep your mind busy doing something you love. So her doctor actually says, go West and find a hobby. And she's got a shit ton of money. Yeah. And she's like, oh, hobby. I can, I can get a hobby. I love architecture and I have so much money. And like, that sounds like fun. So, um, so anyways, so that's, that's where she gets the idea to move to California is actually from a doctor, not a medium. Now who's to say she doesn't go to a medium because this is very well within the realm of the time of spiritualism as like big um, highly recommend um any book by mary roach by the way i just read one i'll i'll send it to you it talks a lot about that particular time period and anyways yeah. keep going. well it was like again she could have gone to a medium at that point we do know that a doctor told her to to go to california and that's what a lot of doctors were doing yeah. Um, and her husband had died from tuberculosis. So it makes sense for her to like leave the bad air. Um, <clears throat> but like, you know, she also could have gone to a meeting because it was within the realm of that time for her to seek that out because it was Oops. the rise of spiritualism. Yeah. Um, so originally her fortune was being handled by her brother-in-laws, which, you know, makes sense. They're the Winchester boys. They have stake in the money as well. But um, when she moved to California, she took over her own finances. Uh, as a woman in the late 1800s, which was completely unheard of. She took over. Now she's a millionaire woman with all of her own finances. Um, So she had been close to her father-in-law, Oliver, and he taught her a lot about investments and money. And she even made her own investments when she moved to California. So she started making investments, buying property, doing this and that. Um, And among what she purchased in 1886, she purchased a small two-story farmhouse with eight bedrooms that's not um okay small sure okay small yeah like well no two not two bed or not not eight bedrooms eight rooms um again 1800s it's not they're not saying eight bedrooms they're saying eight rooms so thinking like maybe um maybe it's got like a living kitchen like a probably a parlor um dining space and maybe four bedrooms. Okay. So, you know, like that, yeah. So small, like a a farmhouse, a farmhouse. Got it. Um, in San Jose, California. So, but again, two story, eight room, um, instead of hiring like someone to help fix it up or even hiring an architect, she enlisted the service of a team of carpenters and directed them to build directly onto the farmhouse as she saw fit. So every morning she would wake up and she would go down and say, and today I want you to start on a staircase over there. And I would like you to start building some cabinets. And there were no blueprints. So she just was like, I want this to go here. And I want this to go here. She's just nuts. I love it. 
She's just yeah. like, let's, let's just go crazy today. Yeah, who cares? Like, where, what, what, let's whatever. See where so today like, takes us. And I mean, like, over the next 20 years, this two story, eight bed or eight room farmhouse would become a, over a 160 room mansion. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Promo West Productions. If you want to check out a show around Columbus, hit up one of these upcoming concerts at Newport Music Hall. The Taylor Party on October 14th. Jake Scott on November 9th. The Happy Fits on November 13th. And Whitney on December 8th. If you want to check out a show at Kimball Live, hit up Girl Talk on November 3rd. Rumors of Fleetwood Mac on November 5th. Day Glow on November 6th and Russell Dickerson on November 18th. To purchase tickets, visit AXS.com, or for more info, please visit promowestlive.com. Like, it started with eight rooms. It ended with 160 rooms. And this is what became as the known as the Winchester Mystery House. Um, but Sarah herself actually called it uh, Yanada Villa, because it reminded her of a vacation spot her and William had once stayed in love. So Aww. to her, it was Yanada. Um, so like, yeah, so she just got in there and was like, tear this out, put this in. And she, there were no blueprints. So like literally like they didn't know who knows. She would just like maybe just walk up to people that were like in the middle of a project and be like, you know what? Like a window there, like just random, whatever. There were no blueprints. She just was going by heart, which is like, I don't know. I kind of really love the pure like chaos, chaos that that is. It's kind of like for her, it was like going up to a painting that she's been working on every day for 20 years and being like, it needs some blue up here, but it's a house you're building. <laughs> <laughs> you're not just like, you like some people buy like a new wreath for their front door. She puts in a new door on her second floor. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's just for her. I mean, like, but I, mean, I don't know. What are you going to do when you have no family and Listen, just endless half a billion dollars money, endless, money, endless money, endless money. Yeah. So, um, she had 18 servants, 18 gardeners. She paid them all a rate over what was custom. Um, and she would even buy them and their, uh, buy them in their family's homes so that their travel to work would not be as long. Uh-huh. And like, yeah, think of it. I'm mean, like, it almost like nowadays, if somebody was like, I'm going to purchase you this house so that your travel to work is closer, you'd be like, that's scary. But back in those days, they're dry, they're, they're in a horse drawn buggy. Yeah, would take exactly. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I mean, it sounds like she was out in the middle of nowhere at the time. I've right. seen pictures well, and of she it was. now, and th- there's things and it's around not, but it. Like, but and, then there was nothing. Yeah. And San Jose, um, like at that point in time was, was nothing. It was yeah. just nothing. Right. Um, she had actually purchased this home with the hopes that her sister and her niece would come live with her. And when they got out there, they were like, there is nothing going on here. So they actually moved, they, they moved to California, but they didn't move in with her because it was in the middle of nowhere. Right. Right. Um, yeah, later on, them. later on her niece, Daisy does end up living with her. And like they, she was very, very close with her niece, Daisy. Um, and Daisy actually lived with her for like, a, a t- like 15 years or something like that until oh, Daisy wow. got married. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So she, and that's the thing is like, people are like, oh, she was just like this recluse and she had 18 servants and she had 18 gardeners and right. her niece lived with her for a while. She wasn't like yeah. this recluse. I had no idea. I, I thought, you know, she totally was insane and <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 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 No. no well, 
Um, so she also welcomed all all people into her home, uh, regardless of race or anything like that. Um, so at the time, Japanese Americans were facing extreme prejudice in America because um, we always have to be an asshole to somebody. Um, yeah, yeah uh, at all times. Uh, and so her head gardener was a Japanese American named uh, Tommy Nishihara, uh, who she was so close to. Like they they became very close. They were she treated him like family to the point that his one of his granddaughters was given the middle name Winchester. Whoa, damn! Which, like you you know, like if it was like oh they named their you know, like granddaughter middle name was Sarah. It's like, oh, it could be anyone. No, right. named her Winchester. Winchester. Like <laughs> very specific. That's pretty, very specific. Also, what a pretty middle name. Yeah. Like, I I, I don't know. I think it's cool. Winchester. Winchester. Yeah. And that good boy or girl works both ways. Yeah, totally. It'd be like, yeah. Then like I, Winchester is very non-specific. Very yeah. Yeah. But, um, but no, that's the thing. Like, so, and also- during this time, she also funded the hospital um, for treatment of those with tuberculosis and made it clear that she wanted everyone who needed it to be treated at this hospital uh, in spite of their economic standings. Oh, wow. Like, I don't care what they can pay. Um, and she named it the William Wirt Winchester annex for, tur- annex for tuberculosis. Um, and that was, I believe she built that in New Haven. So that's the thing is like, People talk about her as if she was just this like recluse bonkers woman, but she was like quite a philanthropist. Philip- yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. And like, yeah, yeah. my brain was saying like, what's the word that's similar to philanthropist, but also means that you, you just fuck everything. Philanderer. Uh-oh. My brain was like, did you just say philanderer? <laughs> she was not that. It doesn't seem she was like not she that. was that. I don't think so. I don't think that was her type. Um, so uh, also the home itself was extremely innovative for innovative for its time. Like it had advanced technologies such as its own gas and manufacturing plant before houses had gas or electric. Damn. Um, its own water tower um, and enunciator. Think of like a call button, like an early version of a oh call. Oh my God. It was so big. It was huge. So she yeah. Had, yeah, that made so she like if needed something, she would like push a button so like another button would like amazing. Yeah, uh, it had forced air central heating, which is like way ahead of its time. Damn, even houses um, now, some of them don't have that. <laughs> right, we're still trying to get those that were built in the eighteen hundreds up to like, know, those so that were built in the nineteen twenties. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, plus, well, and they were should forced air central heating in California. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, oh, and then uh, there were items heart. in the home, right? There were items in their home, especially put there for the ease of her staff. So she put like brass corner plates in the house. So um, it would be easier for the staff to clean and like dust wouldn't settle in the corners of the house. Um, there was hot and cold la- water in like the laundry room. These are things that we think of today as like standard, but back in those days, you would never. And it was simply for the ease of her staff. Like, but there were also things about the house that people found odd um, that actually had to do a lot with her arthritis. So like they were, t- there's lots of talks about how, you know, sh- there were stairs in the house that were very short Aww. and it's because her arthritis had gotten so bad that she were building, she was building stairs that she could 
climb. Actually climb. Yeah. Actually climb. And at one point they put in an elevator because she couldn't climb anymore. And like there, there are certain things like there was, <laughs> there is a, uh, a cabinet, like a, a, a cabinet that you opened up and there were 20 rooms behind it. Like you, uh, like you're like oh, oh, looking for, looking like, for. I the- just wanted my chips. Ah. I was looking for oatmeal. Why is there like is, twenty rooms back there? How did this happen? Yeah, um, but the there weirdest was things, video game things, ever. Right, but I mean, like there was lots of weird things that you're like, oh, okay, I can see where people would see that this is probably like this could be, and who knows, she could be into spiritualism. It was the time of spiritualism. Right. I'm not taking that away from her. I'm just saying, like, there was much more to her than that. Like, she was much more of a person than that yeah um and so uh where'd it go oh yes so anyways expansion of the house like the expansion the building of the house uh slowed after the great san francisco earthquake of 1906 um which actually toppled a seven-story tower in the upper floors in like the upper floors of the mansion toppled it also left sarah trapped unharmed in the daisy room said to be named because the daisies like that were painted out throughout the room but also like was it named after her niece daisy right, who that right. she was very close to um but like the workers literally had to remove rubble to get her out of this oh, room yeah god so, oh and they had to probably go through so much to get to that to freaking get room. to her yeah i don't know how long it took them to find her but it's insane but um so you know like there's all these rooms and stuff that like were in the middle of projects and they were in the middle of building but instead of like destroying them or even trying to fix them, she just quartered them off. She was like, and they don't exist anymore because I can't go in there and I can't look at them, uh, including the Daisy room. She closed off the Daisy room. She's like, I got trapped in that room. I'm done looking right. at it. I, have a, I still have 160 <laughs> rooms. Who knows how many rooms that place actually has? Oh, my God. Because you just don't know. You don't yeah. know. Um, there were no blueprints. There's no way to know because everything oh leads God. to whatever this is. So anyways, um, so the heiress spent most of the final two decades at another home that she purchased, which is another thing that people are always like, oh, and then she just like lived there until she died in the home. But no, like in the last two decades of her life, she like, she, she slowed down on continuously building the home and she went and she stayed in a more comfortable area, but she came back to the home because it was her passion. Yeah. Um. And so, and it was her love and it was her vacation, you know? And I, uh, so like, and, and so for the last two, two decades of her life, she would go back and forth, but spent a lot of time closer to her sister in this other home that she had. Um, so Sarah Winchester died of congestive heart failure in her beloved home in set on September 5th of 1922, which would have put her at, say she was born in the forties. So 60, 82. Yeah, not like bad. around 82, 83. Not, not bad, bad for somebody who's being stalked by ghosts. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> uh, so the uh the home, so she left like everything to her niece Daisy, except the home itself. Like she didn't in her will, she left everything to Daisy. Um, but she didn't, and what plus some money for at like some of the philanthropy stuff that she was doing. Um, but she never left the home to anyone. So like Daisy had to help like auction off the home. Um, and some of the land was parceled out and then the home itself, um, was purchased 
as uh, as a like as an attraction. So this guy and his wife purchased the house, and their first thoughts, what they were planning on doing with the house, was they were going to build an amusement park inside of it. Inside of it, yes. But the town was like, no, also we want to see the inside of the house. Like it's, we, we've been looking at this right. house for years and years and years. We want Why to see the inside of it. it and do the inside. Right. So again, this is, this is the 1920s. They're like, it's a haunted house. It's haunted. So they're the ones that start saying that it's haunted and really pushing this like narrative now there was there was like a story or two written before spreading rumors that like oh she saw a a medium and the medium told her to do this and there had been some like articles written and some rumors about like why she was doing it and if she was crazy and if she was this recluse and like there is even a story of one day one of the articles reaching her while she was in her home and it upset her so bad that she sent the entire staff and all of the workers home for the day because she wanted to be alone. She like got this, like this article that was like, what's going on with this crazy lady who won't stop building on her house. Aww. And she was like, that like breaks her heart. So yeah. um, anyways, yeah. So nowadays the Winchester house, it's, it's a, it's a national um, or not national. I'm so sorry. It's a California historical landmark landmark as of 1974. Um, you can still go do tours. You can uh, get married there. Whoa. Um, weird. Yeah. The, you can like, there's a Winchester park, so you can have picnics and stuff on the grounds Aww. around. Um, so uh, the, like it seems so so some of the some of the things that are inside of the house that make it very confusing so it has like stairways that stairwells that end at the ceiling so like the stairs just go all the way up to the ceiling which i could see being a design like a design choice like you're just like instead of stopping at the top let's just keep going like you can stop off here and here's your floor but like let's just keep i could see that being like a design choice i don't know um very um, are, uh it's very Catherine O'Hara's character in Beetlejuice if you ask me yeah yeah uh <laughs> there are doors that open to walls um there are big rooms that contain smaller rooms um like I said there's the cabinet that just opens up to like 20 more rooms there's a door on the second or third floor that if you open it up it just leads outside like no no balcony or nothing you would just walk <laughs> like just awesome. fall out of it um, so like, there's all sorts of secret passages and like all sorts of, so, I mean, like there is, there's quite a bit of reason to believe that there might've been something else going on here, but she was still like an amazing architect who just like really wanted to, I think personally, after hearing the story and reading about her a bit, I think that she had a passion and she had a hole in her life yeah. and she was like, I have all this money. I have no one to spend it on. And it just keeps my mind busy. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's that's the story of uh, Sarah Winchester. I appreciate it because I truly still think she's insane. But I really, <laughs> honestly, did not know any, I didn't know any of that. I didn't, and I appreciate it. I mean, I, and knew, I, do what- I knew she was rich, for sure. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. how can you not be super loaded? Right. And insane, like you know, you have to be 
rich to be able to build that stuff. That kind of it. I'm yeah. sorry I, if you hear my boys are singing very loudly up there. Uh, very loudly. Yeah. Do you hear it? Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very but, loud. Um, I will say that I got the inspiration to do her as a badass woman because she was a badass woman. Like, yes. in spite of the reasoning that she had behind it, everything else that she did in life and every everything else that she was, she was a badass. Um, so I got the inspiration to do this story from the podcast Morbid ah, because yes. they did the story from a, a morbid perspective. So they went more into the hauntings and stuff, but they also did a lot on the background of Sarah and who she really was as a person. And I was really inspired by that. And I really appreciate that. Plus I love those women and they remind me a lot of you and me where it's like, we're both kind of like dark, funky, fun people, but like (laughs) one of us is like witchy, witchy. And one of us is like, more science is bright practical (laughs) yeah so I like it really reminds me of you and me yeah um but uh so I I got the inspiration to do it from them uh so I did some more research of course I looked at you know like wikipedia and um uh, biography.com and Sarah Winchester the heiress um on uh all that is interesting um and yeah, it was hard to find like, and I, I, I'm going to applaud the women, uh, of morbid again, because they actually read this amazing book, um, called, and I had it written down somewhere and I forget where it's at. Give me a second. They read Sarah Winchester beyond the mystery and, uh, captive of the labyrinth. So they were those two books, which is where you get a lot of the history of her. That's not just like, and she was crazy and she built this house and <laughs> uh medium told her that if she like, cause everything I tried to find on her, I was like, Oh, let me see what I can find on her. Like every, every article was starts off with like, and she, she went to this medium and she was eccentric. Um, And it was really hard to find articles that actually like dove into who she, even her Wikipedia page is like a screen long. Oh, don't you hate that? I hate that. Like her family, like she was somebody before the Winchester house. Right. Like she, like she's a historical figure. Like this is one of the most, um, like architecturally, it's one of the most interesting buildings, if not in the United States, the world, you know? Right. right. Like this woman deserves more than just a screen. Like, of a screen of Wikipedia and and also just it's like you should I don't know she's more than just a a a myth a legend a a haunted story you know right right right. for sure oh and do you know who called it the uh Winchester Mystery House first no Harry Houdini perfect perfect because of course when he was doing his tour which did you know that Harry Houdini you like he was very very much against spiritualism yes um yes. and so he did like a tour to go and and disprove all sorts of spiritualism places because he thought that they were all hoaxes and they hurt people uh he went to the winchester house and it was said that he left with more questions than he went in with and he called it the winchester mystery house yeah he um went to a medium and his mom spoke to him 
quote unquote, but she didn't speak English. So he was like, this is bullshit. I don't like it. And his wife waited 10 years for him because he said, if there's a way to come back, I will come back. And she waited 10 years for him. And on the last night she held seances every year. And on the last time that she, 10 years after she said, I think 10 years enough to wait on a man. (laughs) I I just think that's a lovely story. Um, So anyways, that's the story of Sarah. I love it. Thank you very much. Happy Halloween. Boo. Happy Halloween. Mine's next. We'll see see what I get to um, uh, take a lot of drugs and see what I come up with. (laughs) Well, you get some rest. um, I've been meaning to to tell you, you look so tired. I've been meaning to tell you that um, I sent that same message to all of my performers for December. And you were of three people I got images back from and you had just got out of surgery. So I'm going to be messaging all of them. Literally hours before. Yeah, Vivian got me her picture right after she got out of surgery. What's your excuse? Exactly. Because uh, I gave them until Friday. Anyways, uh, until next time, until it's time for your hooky story. <laughs> Smear, Smear lipstick. lipstick. And raise hell. And raise hell. Bye. Boom. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was researched, written, and produced by Vivian Vega and Betty LaRue. Our intro and outro was written and performed by our very own Vivian Vega with her band Electro Cult Circus. Our logo is by Amanda Braskett. If you're more of a visual person, head over to our YouTube for the video of this episode. You can also check out images to go along with each episode and added bonuses by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Revolution Rosies. You can send us your art, your inspirational women, and stories about amazing things you have done to revolutionrosies at gmail.com or on our website at revolutionrosies.com. Revolution Rosies is a member of the Loudcat Podcast Network.